Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Multi-Family by the Slice show. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I've got Chi Nguyen in the house. As you all can tell, I am not, I, okay, I cannot do it any justice to do the intro to this show, but we're going to make it manage because I cannot attend this episode. But we had a fabulous, fabulous guest on the show today. We had Matthew Owens. He knocked it out the park. He's a talker, but he dropped a lot of knowledge gems about networking, Heavy foot stomp on that. He calls himself the real estate gangster. Over 20 <laughs> years of experience raising capital, flipping deals, doing value-add multifamily and syndications. And he's just a funny dude. Chi, what did you get out of it? Yeah, I mean, Matt is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I know people say that all the time, but he really is a wealth of knowledge from self-storage to multifamily to debt to flips to mobile home parks. I mean, he literally can talk your ear off about any single asset class in a good way. I mean, he knows these things inside and out. And so it was a super educational episode. And not only was it educational, but there was some mindset mixed in there. As And as you know, I love that. So yeah, just really, really really good. I, I really liked this episode because we got into the nitty gritty and sometimes it's really good to get into the nitty gritty of things, you know, and, and go through what the value add plays are and what the indicators are for, for a good deal and, and how to protect yourself on the, on, on the buy. So, yeah. Yeah. We covered it all. It's a quite a long episode, this one. So if you all want to get that wealth of knowledge, all those slices, tune in. See ya. Welcome to the Multi-Family by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I've got my great co-host here, Chi Nguyen. Ike's not able to join us today. He's got some other things he's taking care of. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great episode. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, please leave us a five-star review. It's Thursday. Man, I, sometimes you just have those moments where I feel like I haven't seen Ike or Chi in a while. but I'm excited to be here. So before we introduce today's guest, got to check in with you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I think I've had the 10 most stressful days of my real estate investing career oh just now. Yeah. How, how so. so? Tell me about it. Oof, man. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think I may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but I'm dealing with a slab leak right now. Not fun. Yeah. And, you know, the repairs were just supposed to be in the kitchen. Now it's going to be the full kitchen. And then then they had to drill into a different part of the flooring, which means it's a full house renovation now. So, yeah, replacing all the flooring everywhere. And it wouldn't be that stressful. But, of course, there are tenants involved, which, you know, can always be a little bit stressful. So I'm figuring yeah. it out. I'm working it out and, and it'll be fine. But, um, wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah. How are you? What's up with you? I'm doing good. Um, just been full throttle on the on the comic book, so that's been well. You know, I think it was a whirlwind after the first book, and so when the third one came along, I was like, man, like I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. But now I'm back into it. Just starting to speak to the school, set those up, go speak to the kids, really push the the legal wealth, and go from there. But it's been a good week. Been busy, um, busy like you. Just like I said, spending a lot of money in many ways that I don't want to spend. But you know that's the nature of business, so yeah. it is what it is. Been a very expensive couple of months, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. But you want to introduce, you know, today's guest? Yes, absolutely. So our guest today is Matthew Owens, also known as Matt Owens. He was actually one of the first people I ever met uh, in real estate investing. In fact, 
I met him when I didn't even know what networking was. So the funniest story is I showed up to Phoebe South Bay, which is in Manhattan Beach, El Segundo in Los Angeles. Phoebe is for Investors by Investors. It's a chapter of, um, it's. I guess, how would you explain it, Matt? It's like a... It's, it's a nonprofit group that teaches financial education, real estate education, and we network and then educate every single month. We've been doing it since 2008, and it's great for the relationship build as well as our own knowledge base and things like that. So it's been absolutely amazing to be running that. I get all the free legal advice I want whenever I have the attorneys on there. You know, it's it's great. You get all the great speakers up there to to teach. Yeah, and, and their biggest thing is no selling, right? So I think that was right. a huge, huge point for them. Anyway, I uh, showed up to this event and I was thinking, wow, why are they starting an hour late? This is so unprofessional. And apparently they were leaving that hour, obviously, to network before the presentation started. Matt came up, um, said hi to me, and the rest is history. I helped him with acquisitions for a while in Tennessee. But honestly, Matt is an absolute, what he would like to call himself is a real estate gangster. <laughs> That's something he loves to say. But um Anyway, he's he he does a lot, honestly. He's super impressive, but I won't take away the show from him. So, Matt, why don't you let our listeners know how you got started, what you've been up to, where you're thinking about going next, and anything else you'd like to share? Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. So just to give you guys a little background on myself, I'm a CPA. I quit my CPA firm job in 2006 to go into real estate full-time. So I was a real estate genius for about a year and a half before I got my ass handed handed to me and punched in the face by the crash that occurred in 2008. Since then, we've gone on to flip a little bit over a thousand houses now. We have over 35 million now lent out to flippers in different markets around the country. We do a lot of value add multifamily syndications as operators. And then we invest in a lot of different uh, syndications and raise capital for syndications. I've raised over $150 million now for real estate transactions. And we do a lot of investing in mobile home parks, self-storage, multifamilies, uh, debt, all different types of strategies. I really love investing that way because you can have a diversified approach to the investing side. We have a six-month real estate course on every aspect of investing you can think of. We have a CFO services company as well, uh, and then run the for investors by investors uh, groups that teach that financial education and real estate education to just build our wealth and you know, speaking of networking, I remember in the very beginning, I was going to five networking events every single week for two plus years, developing the relationships you need for this business. And it's just been, you know, absolutely amazing journey for me. It's a lot better than doing tax and audit and helping the government take people's money, I'll say, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Wow. That's, well, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dre. No, no, that's, that's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, you do do too much. You learn a thousand ways to lose money on a house after flipping a thousand houses for sure. <laughs> but I really love the multifamily side a lot more now in the syndication space because I don't have to be the active operator all the time. I can raise capital. I can invest my own capital and I don't have to be the guarantor of all the debt. I don't have to do all the operations work involved and I can do that proper diversification and really build the strategies that I want to build, right? I don't have to go through and do all the work myself like I always have done, right? And and but I do know now the proper operational efficiencies 
associated with these investments, which helps me be uh, better at due diligence on these operators, better at understanding the financial projections and things like that. And, and really being a CPA is an unfair advantage uh, when it comes to uh, multifamily and investing in real estate period, just because I know the math so well and understand the financial projections so well to know what's realistic and not realistic when it comes to investing it helps a ton. It turns me into that real estate gangster she was, she was talking about. And, and I say that because I've taken massive punches in the face. And that's the only way you become a real estate gangster is you literally go through and take hit after hit and keep that head up every single time. And that's the key to being successful at investing is you are going to take those hits. But keeping that head up and looking for the opportunity, just like, you know, she's dealing with that that water issue under the house. Man, if I had a if I had a dime for every time that happened, you know what I mean? Or like a, a found, I I invest a lot in the Midwest. There is water issues. I come from California. There's no water issues out here, right? So I mean, or for the most part, maybe not where you're you're buying your property now. But you know, these are the things that you deal with and the hits you kind of take, and you realize that the more you keep your head up and push forward and look for those solutions. The, the better you're going to be as far as investing goes, right? And the, the you're going to be able to prolong long-term because there's always going to be problems that come up. I'm going to put a pin in that real estate gangster stories. I want to definitely <laughs> circle that later. But so, you know, you, you started out as CPA, you quit in 2006, you were flipping all these homes, you flipped over a thousand. And then what happened next that said, okay, I want to do multifamily value add. You know, really, it just came down to bigger bang for your bucks. I, I started buying like the first actual multi-unit property I bought. I bought a fourplex and two duplexes, which isn't multifamily technically, right? But what happened was I bought them for a song, I'll say, and I, I put some rehab money into them. And the bang for my buck was so much bigger on the flip proceeds by buying them all together like that and then re and uh, reflipping them. It was crazy. I, I I made you know a couple hundred thousand dollars on that one fourplex, another hundred grand on each duplex, and I was like, oh, that changes my perspective. And so I went out and bought a thirty unit and a nineteen unit, another twenty unit, and started doing doing that. And it really came down to like, hey, the fear initially uh, got me going. Oh, I better buy single family homes. Multifamily seems scary to me. And then I started buying multi-units after that and realizing, oh, wow, that's a million dollar hit up. That's a $500,000 profit. Look at the value add that you can do if you raise all of these rents. And so you look at the efficiency play associated with it and it just makes sense. You know, now they take a longer, you know, than a single family home flip. Might, you might be in and out in six months or something like that, or sometimes three or a month or, or even less on a wholesale type deal. But you're talking about you know, much bigger swings and much bigger equity plays on the multifamily space than the single family. So, you know, when you're talking about efficiency of your time, it makes a lot more sense than doing single family homes. Now you become a specialist and an operator doing single families. You deal with problems, you learn how to deal with contractors and you don't take as big a hits, you know, if you're learning that way, which is cool. But on the other side of things, on the multifamilies, when you do learn and you do learn how to manage those contractors, manage property managers correctly, and how the inner workings of your construction project works and all the value add plays that go with it, because there's multiple 
uh, involved, then you you find ways of making much bigger chunks of money for your time, right? So, uh, and then once you start learning the financial modeling and stuff like that, and how you can change things up, and even do seller financing strategies on multifamilies, uh, you can get much bigger swings just by doing that kind of play too, which is pretty cool. And what markets uh, are you currently focused on? So I, I do nationwide. So our lending is nationwide. And so we have tentacles in all these different markets. There are some markets that we stay clear of. I don't really invest in Cali. I don't, I don't invest a whole lot in like Arizona and Nevada and North and South Dakota. Some of the markets that you have to be licensed on in order to lend in. And so I get a lot of deals thrown at me all over the place, but I started out in the Memphis, Tennessee market, mostly because of the economic indicators in that market at the time, the lack of volatility, the higher cash flow and things like that associated with it. And then you start to actually go through and focus on other markets, right? And find other teams and learn how to manage those other teams. And that's when you start expanding. Uh, and so that's what we started doing out in the Memphis market. But now we're Atlanta, Georgia, Texas. Uh, is a big market for us as well. But I like investing with other operators in these markets too. Like I said, you don't have to do all the work yourself. So right. I focus on the key markets and the key operators and where they're investing and focus on trying to invest with them a lot more now. And then, you know, I, I do my own deals. Like one of the deals we did on the multifamily space, we bought a 19 unit deal for 149,000 put 800,000 into it. It was a shell, put 800,000 into it and sold it for over 2 million. And so you look at deals like that, where it was a shell. Yeah. People look at that as maybe it's a major risk because it's completely vacant, but I looked at the value add play on that and it was huge. And we could build the thing the way we wanted with no utility problems, all utilities on the tenants from the jump, you know, all of that kind of stuff and gated access community, you could really, really do a number to the whole thing and really make it as efficient as possible. And then you look at the cash flow play. I mean, we sold that thing for over 2 million at a seven cap, which now is dope, you know? So, yeah. right. And granted, it's only 19 units, but uh, at the same time, you know, you can, you can kill it on some of those transactions. Right. So. Oh, yeah, I'm going to assume that you it, it raising capital obviously allows you to have a lot of really extend that branch of reach to a lot more deals, a lot more markets, as you alluded to. And I'm assuming that's what allows you to even, even branch it to like self storage and mobile home parks. Correct. Right. And it's all a matter of the understanding the financial modeling and the due diligence on those other asset classes too, and the value add plays and what goes into the operations on that side. You know, the, the, the due diligence on the operators in themselves is very similar across the board, right? But then it comes down to understanding the financial modeling side and what value plays are different and if they're really feasible or not and what's good and bad about those asset classes and things like that. And so, and when you're raising capital from a lot of investors uh, for different things, it is determined by how well you can do due diligence and how well you can you know, I invest first myself in all these deals before I ever bring in some any of my private investors. And now I got investors, they'll they'll cut me a million dollar check with no questions asked because they know I've taken bullets for their money in the past, right? And so, you know, which is a strong thing to say, right? Uh, but they know that I won't let them lose their money across the board and I'll lose my money before I let them lose theirs. So I really, really hone in on that due diligence and those operators to make sure before I invest my own money or bring in any other capital investors that I'm really, really doing my homework. Yeah, I like that. What some uh, issues did you have? What bullets did you take 
for some of the best, if you don't mind sharing a few situations. For sure, man. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've had in the very beginning when I first quit my CPA from job and I was losing everything at that time when the, the 2008 market crash occurred, mm -hmm. we had just bought like 35 houses all with our money, our investor money, and everything was crashing and burning around us. All the lenders were basically telling us they could get deals done. None of them could actually get the deals refinanced. And the market values were just, you know, straight plummeting 20% plus, right? And we were going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars short in capital to pay our investors back. And so I had a 790 credit score, never been on a, late on a payment in my life and took out 200 grand on my credit cards to pay my investors back and took the hit and lost everything at that time, right? There's been other instances where we've done loans, hard money loans, where we had fraudulent actors. I just kept paying my investors the whole time. I foreclosed, took it over, kept paying my investors, even though I was losing money the whole time. And of course, afterwards, after I sell the deal, we're you know, taken care of and, and, and made it all whole again, uh, I, I tell them what's up you know, and tell them what happened. And during 2008, when all that crashed, my investors reinvested with me after that. They started deploying capital with me almost immediately right afterwards on new fix and flip deals and things like that because they saw what I did for them, right? And that puts you above everybody else as far as operators go because not all operators are going to take that kind of hit on their own shoulders. And, you know, I'm looking at this going, man, if you treat investor money if you lose their money, it's losing hours of their life because that's really what it is. They worked hard for that money every single day, right? Then uh, you have a lot more respect for that money where you're going, wow, I can't just lose five years or 10 years of this dude's life or this girl's life right now. That is a major like mental setback that you can't have on your shoulders. And so, you know, from that perspective, that's really how I look at it. And when you look at it that way, you just take the hits. I know I can make it back. I know what my capabilities are. I know what, what we can do by just thinking a little bit bigger, thinking different. Like I, I was about to lose 50 G's on a house uh, or on an apartment building one time where we underestimated the rehab. I wasn't sure about it. And, uh, and we underestimated that rehab it was one of my first ones. And I remember losing the 50 grand, just being all upset, you know, like upset about it. You know, I took the hit from my investors. I was down. And I remember looking back up at that point and going the next morning, going, I was even telling my wife, put your hand on my chest. Like, I can't breathe right now. I'm losing another 50 G's right now. This is a lot of money at that time. Right. And I looked back up and I said, no, I'm going to make this money back. And I still remember the time when that day I got a deal under contract that I wholesaled two weeks later and made $70,000 on a, on a wholesale deal on another multifamily. And then it clicked for me. Right you're just not thinking big enough to make all the money back that you lost. If you take a hit like that and your head's not up looking for opportunity, if your head's down, you can't see the opportunity right in front of you. There's so much opportunity, not just in what you learned from taking the hit, but being able to actually go through and find a solution that will literally pay you all your money back pretty much immediately. If you think smart enough and hard enough and find the right solutions and grind. Right. So, and that's really what it takes. And, you know, these are the, some of the hits that I've taken over the years, you know, and, and you just take them and walk and keep going. And now it's like, you brush it off your shoulders. You're like, Hey, 10 grand, 15 grand, whatever, 20 grand, let it go. What's the next deal. Right. Yeah. The contractor last year, steal 300 grand from us. So, you know, and you still boom off our shoulders. Right. So yeah, it hurts. <laughs> okay. I didn't know about that 300 grand with the yeah. ouch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, you know, there's so much to, to glean from what you just said. Um, I think that you did it not only just on a large scale, but you also did it on a smaller scale. Because I know when I met you, you were doing turnkey rentals. You were selling them to investors so people could buy them. I think you were working with some vets who would buy them too and things like that. And I remember if something came up with the property, you guaranteed all of the major systems for five to 10 years, I think mm-hmm. it was. And if anything came up, I even saw firsthand that, you know, you just gave those investors their money back and you're like, listen, we can just get you another property or or whatever. You would move people around. And so mm-hmm. I think that that says a world of things about a person is when you have that abundance mentality and you do the right thing by people and the people that you have shaken their hands and looked in their eyes and said, yep, we're going to get this done. And then for you to follow through with that, that really is where the gold is, where the money is made. And so yeah, I think I think that's really, really awesome. I wanted to ask you, what is um obviously you have so many, you have your hands in so many real estate jars. What is your favorite part of the business? I kind of have an idea of what you're gonna say, but I wanted to to ask. You know, I, I really like helping people like create that freedom in their life and it's it's showing them the aha moments of what the capabilities are, what they can do. You know, showing somebody, I, I remember sitting down a couple of weeks ago with a guy that's a, a, a YouTuber that, you know, is making great money on YouTube. And I probably saved him $500,000 in a one hour conversation, just talking to him about tax mitigation strategies and things like that. And of course, any chance I get to to make sure the government doesn't get their money, then I'm all happy for it, of course. So, but at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to, you know, uh, showing them those aha moments, helping them create the financial freedom in their life and showing them the strategies of doing it, it's really rewarding for me to teach them these strategies and see them succeed across the way. That's why I started my real estate course, because I wanted to be able to go and show people the infrastructure, show people how to do, how to raise capital, how to run a business, the right financial education, you know, how to market and find deals, multifamily analysis, all these different things that like I didn't know when I first started, right? That nobody knows. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I'll get you five deals a month and teach you this, how to do this, right? Yeah, that's great. But what happens when you run out of money? What happens if you don't know how your books work and, you know, the infrastructure part, you're going to fall flat on your face, right? So I love showing people these different strategies and tools to, you know, really make money in all these ways that they just have no idea about, right? And I love being able to find ways of doing it passively now, especially because I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm going to coach basketball for my kids and stuff like that and, you know, show them that I'm coaching two basketball teams now. So that's always fun. And my wife thinks I'm a little crazy, of course, for doing that because it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday and two games on Saturdays. So, you know, she's like, what's wrong with you? And then and then I'm playing on Sundays now, of course, and thinking I'm 20 years old again and getting myself injured and, you know, of course, all over again. <laughs> I mean, you've been in the real estate game for almost 20 years. So, yeah, pretty, pretty ancient. You got to watch, watch out. <laughs> The top shape of my life, buddy. Watch yourself there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, And you've been uh, mentioning quite a bit about value add and your ability. I think one thing about you is your ability to find the value add in each situation. I mean, like you said, that 19 unit apartment building that was vacant, most people would have walked away and wouldn't have seen that. What are your top indicators for, hey, this will be a really, really good buy and um, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. So the first thing is mismanagement, right? We used to run a management company and I look for that mismanagement. I look for the 
unrenovated units, the mom and pops that haven't gone through and really increased rents in a long time, you know, the, the inefficiencies there, there's a ton of them still out there across the board that don't, don't go through and do the right management, right? And so there's major efficiency plays in management alone on, you know, proper leasing, proper, you know, uh, review of those tenant, those tenants and those applications and the details there. Uh, proper repairs and maintenance, the landscaping on the outside, the security on the asset, right? So all of those basic things that you would normally see as far as deferred maintenance goes and where you can make that property pop and get more rents for it. And then of course, on the inside of the properties, the major renovation plays there because as you renovate these things, you're not just saying, hey, maybe they're already renovated and under rented by a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a month or something like that. You know, that's a little bit more of a dangerous value add if you're not doing any renovation to it. So I first look for the rehab pieces because that seems safer to me. I can go in, renovate a unit and know that I'm forcing that appreciation up automatically versus just coming in and doing, you know, quick lipstick that something is already pretty much done other than a few minor items. That's great. And maybe there's less risk in operational functionality on something like that when you don't have to do so much heavy lifting. But I really look for the heavy lifting because if I can be in the thing for 65 to 70% of the after repaired market value based on my new cap rate that I'm able to, to build to and look at that from a major value play and put that extra effort into it, then I know I'm a, a lot safer in a situation like that, right? I also look at the financials and look at the inefficiencies of collections, look at the inefficiencies of occupancy and things like that and the turn time and, and those types of things to see what's actually actually happening there. And if I see a lot of utility plays or utility problems, obviously implementing rubs programs and stuff like that. I mean, you see a lot in the financials. There's a lot you don't see in the financials too, because most of those financials are complete lies. And so you have to go and look at what your, the real numbers are, right? They don't go through and tell you that property taxes are from their basis or insurance is from their basis back in the day. You got to go and what's my new insurance figures? What's my new property tax figures going to be? And what are they going to be in the future? Not what they are in the past, right? So, you know, looking at those things and those financials in a different way and rebuilding your financial models to show what the new numbers are going to be after you've done that renovation is key. So. I'm looking at what's my market rents and my new cash flow based on new expenses. What is my cost to get it there in the first place? So, and what is my equity that I get into that deal versus my cash flow that I'm making off that deal? So, I'm really looking at cap rate based on my cost more than anything else because that tells me how well the property is going to cash flow. Awesome. Well, we're going to move on to the second part of the show. Uh, Chi, do you want to, you want to take the Lexi round? Sure. Let's do it. So it's, it's an open forum on your favorite acquisition that forever changed the trajectory of your business or practical tips on how to grow a portfolio or how to build your investor network. You can choose from any of those or do a mixture of those. So I think, I think the building your investor network is key because especially when we may be coming to a downturn or changes in the market that it could be occurring, your investor network is one of the most important things for your financial strength and your ability to get out of problems that exist, right? And so being able to go out and develop your network and actually 
network every day if you can go out there meet new people and also keep your follow-up campaigns really really strong your continual outreach to new investors but also your nurturing of your old investors on a systematic way will keep them involved with you keep them coming back to you and keep your abilities to raise capital and your ability to find new deals strong too and also finding new ways of making money people don't realize that yeah, there's capital raising potential for new investors. There's deal flow, you know, opportunities for meeting new people out there. But then there's a million new ways of making money that you never even thought of in the first place or new operators and resources that you didn't even think existed. A lot of people think, hey, I got to do this all myself. I need the capital. I need the deal. I got to do all the work. I got to do all this. No, you don't. You just need to be a piece of it. I'd rather have a massive piece of a 300-unit deal by bringing one small piece to the table than to go through and have the, all that on my shoulders myself, right? So you get that through your network and consistently developing relationships over and over and over and over again, but you lose them if you don't nurture them. And you have to have a system, right? So if you're going out networking and you're out there getting new business cards and things like that, and 99% of the people never follow up, that's just a waste of your time, right? Get them into a database, call them, develop the relationships with them, develop nurturing campaigns to help them over and over. And all you're doing is, how do I help? Don't sit there in a conversation thinking, what do I need? What do I need? It's no, what do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? Because it doesn't matter if they, they're going to work with you when they want to work with you. What you can bring to the table will come up, of course. But if you can go out and just find ways of helping other people nonstop through your networking with expecting nothing in return, all the business will come to you. You don't have to sell anything. People will come to you automatically from doing that. So I would say making sure you focus wholeheartedly on that and helping other people would be the key. I love it. I love it. Okay, so we're going to move on to the Giordano round. Yes, the Giordano round, everyone knows is my favorite because Giordano's is the number one pizza spot in Chicago. It's known for these thick slices of pizza. So each question is going to be a series of questions between myself and Chi that we're going to ask you. And it's going to leave our listeners with a mouthful. So the first one, you're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These are your last words before you die. What will you, Matthew, scream out to the world and remember you by? I would say focus on the important things in life. And work isn't the most important thing in life. Money is not the most important thing in life. Your family, your friends, the personal relationships, and living in the moment is the most important things in your life. You know, if you really think about it, do you want to be 80 years old and miss and regretting not spending that extra time wrestling with the kids, not spending that extra time with your mom, not spending all that extra time with, with family and living in the moment and enjoying, even if you're out on a walk during the day with the dog, looking up at the sky and enjoying the sky and enjoying living in that moment is the key. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be work. There's always going to be distractions out there. You focus on living in the moment and you focus on your family and the people you love in your life. And that's what the most important thing is. So I would say that, you know, go through and live in the moment and, and enjoy the most important things in your life instead of all the other stuff that doesn't really matter. And I learned that through doing a lot of 14 hour days and coming to realizations, of course, right? So in the beginning, everybody feels like they got to grind. 
and you don't have to do that and sacrifice the other side to be successful. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. Number two, if there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? I think everybody thinks they have to have their own money. In the beginning, one of the reasons why I was flipping houses was because I needed money. I needed the capital to support my operations. I needed to be able to live, right, and, and do this full-time. And I wasn't going to work for somebody else anymore. My mind was gone. I'm ruined for corporate America now. There's absolutely no way I could ever go back. I'll live on the street before that happens. And, you know, at the end of the day, really going through and realizing there's plenty of resources out there. There's plenty of other people's money. If I had to do it all over again, I would have just bought and held and used other people's money the whole time to do it instead and focused on raising capital for those deals instead of flipping to get my capital and needing all my own capital. I would have been 10 times wealthier than I am now. Now, remember, I, I quit in 2006. And so if I was buying and holding starting in 2008 and 2012, I would be great right now versus flipping all these houses, right? And struggling to sell these things. And so, you know, looking at the, from that perspective, you don't need your own money. You can use other people's money as long as you take care of their money and know how to do their homework, your homework on these deals and protect it. Then you can utilize other people's money and build freedom, utilizing other people's resources and money. All right. Vocab, what are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms investors should know and why? So I think when it, when it relates to multifamily, I think debt service coverage ratio, especially right now when people bought at inverted cap rates and they're, they're having trouble refinancing now and things like that. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming up in the future uh, for that. But debt service coverage is key because a lot of the lenders are coming out and saying, hey, you're not going to be able to refinance at that same value you thought you were because rates are higher now, right? So understanding the debt service coverage ratios on your deals and making sure they cash flow really, really well is one of the most important things that you can focus on, you know, across the board, right? Also value add, going through and making sure that every single deal you focus on, there's a value add play where you can force appreciation. I don't care if you're fixing and flipping, you're buying and holding, you're doing multifamily, you know, different syndications. Do find the ways you can add value to the deal, to other investors across the board. And that, th that is absolutely one of the most important things I think you can be focusing on is that value add, that and the debt service coverage ratio. And then downside risk, protecting yourself from the downside, making sure that, hey, if rents drop by 20%, you're still cash flowing well, right? You're still actually going through and able to sustain during that downside, right? Making sure that if things go all to hell in a handbasket on that one deal, that you're protected still, right? That you actually mitigated that, you know what your break-even point is on that deal, so you don't lose your investor's money, which the preservation of capital is the most important thing you can do, right? If you don't make any profit on a deal, fine. But if you mitigate against the downside and protect that investor's capital, at the very least, you'll be okay long-term. Those are great. Good, good voices. <laughs> All right. Number four, education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups would you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? So I think one of the first books I would read if you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to run your own business, you're trying to operate real estate. If you're trying to operate real estate or you're doing buy and holds or anything, 
you're running a business. Read Traction by Gino Wickman. He will teach you the entrepreneur operating system. There you go. And he will show you in that book how to develop your 10-year vision, what you need to do in the next five years to hit your 10-year vision, what you need to do in the next three years to hit your five-year, then break it down to a year, a quarter, and a month, and a day. What things you need to be doing every day to get to that next step of that stage to get to that 10-year vision. That is absolutely critical. I'd also read, and it's kind of funny, she's going to laugh, but it was The Creature from Jekyll Island, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve. It really does teach you how money works and the inner meanings of what happens at the political levels that are basically entwined in all of business, all of real estate as well, and teaches you, you know, what's really going on with the funding in this country and, you know, the different banking relationships and things like that. Regarding apps, I would highly recommend going and downloading the 10 BII financial calculator. It's made me so much money in promissory notes and different note arbitrages and things like that. Spits out amortization schedules. It's dope. It's one of my friends' uh, apps that Kyle and Kenny that uh, developed this app. And it's like seven bucks or six bucks or something. It may have gone up a little bit now. I don't remember. It might be like 12 bucks or something now, but uh, it was amazing. Regarding masterminds, uh, I'm actually in a group called Raise Masters, which is uh, one Raise of the, Masters, yeah, yeah. And, and I just spoke at one of their conferences uh, as well in front of 530 plus people, had 150 people emailing me from that, all just from teaching people the right due diligence, how to add value to investors. And uh, my boy, Hunter Thompson is mm -hmm. the uh, the leader of that group. I've known him for 10 plus years. And I'm actually in his capital collective group as well. Uh, and just massive high level capital raisers that do nothing but raise capital for real estate, massive amount of value. Also another group called the Collective Genius that I was in for a while. It's a bunch of people that are flipping and holding and doing all kinds of massive volume. A guy named Jason Medley runs that group. It's a great group. If you guys join that, I'm not in that anymore, but it's been, it was an absolutely invaluable uh, group to attend and meet all the people in as well. So those two groups, I would say, are highly recommended in my book uh, to adding just an unsurmountable amount of value. I love that. I, I just read Traction. I have to say it's really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody should follow it. And it's simple, you know. Right. And, uh, and you're the first person who's brought up the calculator. That makes me so happy. We had another master. I'm like, yes, I don't know. I didn't even mention that. So kudos to you because that is one powerful, powerful tool. And when I bought it, it was six bucks. Yeah, you're right. It's probably with inflation, 12 bucks now. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, that one little app is a, a game changer. And people should uh, educate themselves on that. So absolutely. All right. Number five, what is the most important skill to build to be successful in real estate? Sales. Sales. Number one skill, sales. And Agreed. you're selling all the time, right? And you're selling through through education, you're selling through personal relationships, being personable, showing people why they need certain certain things that you can provide, selling people through buying assets, selling people through raising capital. Everything in life is sales. Selling people through trying to convince my wife of certain things and letting me work a little more, <laughs> or do certain things there. So, you know, of course, 
<laughs> selling her on while I'm why I'm still sleeping while she's up with the kids, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But no, at the end of the day, it comes down to sales, right? And being able to be personable, talk to people in detail and be comfortable in those relationships. And and that's all through sales. That's the mo- one of the most important things. You could suck at every other aspect, but if you're good at sales, you will do well long-term in life in general, and let alone, you know, real estate. Good point. Good point. Okay. Number six, what is the very first action you would advise a brand new investor to take to start their journey in real estate? <laughs> Selfishly take my real estate course. No, uh, at the end of the day, really learn how to run a business because like I said, there's so many people teaching people out there. Let me go. Here's how you be a wholesaler. Here's how you fix and flip a house. But if you don't know all the different aspects of running a business, whether that's human resources, sales, marketing, accounting, law, tax and legal structures, all of these different aspects will literally stop you in your tracks. If you learn the infrastructure and get the proper foundational support for your own flips or your hold portfolio, how to manage your team members, for example, how to set your vision and be able to come up with your key performance indicators for what you're trying to focus on and your goals. If you learn those aspects of things, you will be far above everyone else. Not that it's a competition, but you'll get there way faster with a lot less mistakes, which is so important for long-term, right? Like you might be successful at fixing and flipping a few houses or wholesaling a few houses, but if you try to get to scale on something like that, you're going to have major problems long-term. And you really want to be able to go through and learn how to run a business properly on all aspects. Otherwise, you're faulting. You're going to have a major problem. I, I just talked to somebody earlier today that I've known him for years, and he's flipped hundreds of houses every single year. And he told me he made five mistakes that cost him $17 million. All of them had to do with him not understanding one segment of a business, whether that's internal controls or quality control or different aspects like that, that you want to implement. And you start to see how powerful that is. $17 million. That is some crazy stuff for not knowing one or two small pieces or making a mistake here and there. And so the less mistakes you can make, the more your wealth is going to be compounded, you know, of course. Now, you you also got to make some mistakes and keeping your head up, of course, and looking for that next opportunity is massive as well because you will take those hits and it's going to happen. And realizing and knowing it's going to happen is actually super important because then you're geared up and ready for it, right? So understanding those things, I think, is key. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I got Chi on here, and we had our guest, Matthew Owens. Thank you again for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Again, for our listeners out there, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show, and we'll see you next time. Be blessed.